Hey everybody, it's officially draft season, and we here at Upside Swings couldn't do what we do without Global Shop Solutions ERP software. Simplify your manufacturing by scheduling a demo at globalshopsolutions.com. Thanks again for listening. Hello everybody, and welcome back to the Upside Swings NBA Draft Podcast, the podcast with the highest delirium. Uh, I'm your Upside Swings, Bryce Hendricks, and uh, I can't really say words in a proper order anymore because I'm just, I'm at a complete, um, um... What's that thing where you can't find the word? Uh, it's like it's like on the tip of your tongue, and you can't. I'm at a loss. I'm at a loss for words. Is uh, uh, no, that's um, that was a little bit of acting. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. I taking my bows now. I'll accept your flowers in the mail. Um, no, uh, but we are. <laughs> this is a stupid start to this podcast. Um, we are here to talk about the the most difficult group of guys we'll have to talk about because. As we're kind of working through the back end of this draft, we're just at a point where we're happy if each pod has like one guy we consider draftable. We're just trying to like cover all our bases at this point. And uh it's it's not ending like in a particularly uh like satisfying way, uh, because we're just kind of with these groups of of kind of boring players. Uh not to be rude to them. We'll have some fun conversations still, but uh of course, before we get too into it, I am joined by Cooper Klein and Stone Hansen. Coop, Stone, my friends, how you doing? I'm feeling refreshed, um, especially after the mock earlier. Feeling good. Uh, excited, despite you hating everybody here. Uh, I'm excited to talk at least about a couple of them. Um, so I think uh, it'll be fun, uh, and I get to spread Bediaco propaganda as I have for the past like three years. So, uh, Yeah, I'm doing real well. Yeah, Like Stone said, uh, it's always great to do the mock, and uh now my spirits are about to go right back down after talking about some of these guys. Uh, I do like some of them more than others. Uh, some of these guys I am low-key a fan of, even if I don't think they're particularly good. Um, but these are a lot of guys who, you know, have are big names at the very least, right? Uh, and, you know, everybody knows who these guys are. And, uh, you know, let's just hop right in. Let's uh, Let's get right into the conversation here with the best guy on this list. Yeah, we're going to start with Alabama's Charles Bediaco. He was the unsung hero of that team, man. I'll die on that hill. Um, that team would not have worked without Bediaco in the middle. And his stats kind of back that up. Uh, uh, let's just seven foot two twenty five. He's probably a little below seven feet tall, honestly, but whatever. Uh, 21 years old. He's a March 10th, 2002 birthday. Um, hey, I'm only about a, m- a month older than him. Uh, he'll turn 22 a little tor- you know, towards the end of his rookie season. Uh, he, his rookie season will be considered his age 21 season. Um, this season at Alabama, he played only 20.7 minutes per game, but he grabbed, uh, or he put up six points on 65.90, uh, shooting splits, grabbed six boards, 0.7 assists, 0.6 deals, 1.8 blocks, 0.8 turnovers, three fouls. Um, he had a 61.5 true shooting, uh, 65.9 effective field goal percentage so if you take away that um you know that that horrendous free throw number he, his his efficiency looks a little better uh 13.4 turnover rate to 5.8 assist rate um 5, 15.5% defensive rebound rate 14.6% offensive rebound rate um 7.9% block rate 1.6 steal rate uh 7.8 is like 
that's like comfortably in the good range of block rate. We'll talk, I'm going to have Coop talk a little bit about like how we try and evaluate big man stats because it's fucking weird. It's hard to do, um, but we'll get into that. He has super low usage though at 14.5. Um, shot 71.9% on close twos, dunked 45 times this year. Um, that honestly, 45 times like for him is not as high as you'd maybe expect. Some of that is the minutes, but he did play in great spacing with, you know, conceivably a lot of guards and good passers and, um, you know, only 45 times. It's not like an elite number, but he did have an 8.1 BPM, uh, and also a 121.3 offensive rating, which I find kind of funny. Um, let's start with his defense. Cause that's definitely the sell. Um, Coop, do you actually, before we get into too much of the defense, do you want to talk a little bit about kind of evaluating big man stats and, and just kind of some of the issues with that? Yeah. So this is going to be the perfect pod to just like a lot of people, you can look at a big man and it's like, oh, he has this super high block rate. He's at like 12, 13 block rate. And, you know, his defensive rebound rate is over 20. And like his offensive rebound number is super high, but it's really, really important to pair that with the film study. Um, I think like a lot of these numbers can end up being really inflated by college systems, by teammates, uh, and just by like, oh, I'm a seven footer playing in a, a, you know, in college, you, there's no three second rule. So you can just camp in the paint. You can be really big. You can be Zach Eady and just block a ton of shots or, or deter a ton of shots. Cause you're just sitting there in the paint. Uh, so you really have to evaluate rotations you have to evaluate their process what boards they do go for what blocks they go for um you have to kind of consider role which is tough a lot i know that's something that i really struggle with personally uh, and you also like even like steals numbers because if you know every single player is being funneled into the big like i think shibwe has pretty high steals numbers and it's like he's not like an elite event creator right but just because everything is funneled into him or he's completely useless. You know, he, oh, you look at the stats, you pull it up, he looks like he's a really good defender. Um, it's a lot of the same danger of just looking at stats in general, but it's kind of amplified because every single system is so different. The rules are so different down in college. And, uh, you know, like, I, I don't think this is for Bediaco specifically. I think he's one of the guys who, like, his stats aren't comical, but they are really good. And the role he played where he is like, he he plays a lot in rotation. He's really long uh, and he's just like solid. He's not block chasing a lot. He's not rebound chasing a lot. Uh, but I, some of the guys here, you look at them, you look at their stats profile, they look like a God and it's like, well, the film doesn't really bear that out as much. And you have to be careful to marry the two, especially with bigs. Uh, I mean, he's not versatile, but I think he's really good at what he does. Um, I mean, he was probably the best defender, uh, on the Alabama team. Um, and I think he held it down for them, uh, especially in the interior, uh, really good at picking rules. I think a really solid rim protector. Um, he's not like elite, but I think that he's going to make shots difficult for a lot of people. He has a massive wingspan, super tall, um, rarely out of position, uh, I think he's just a really dependable, solid backup center who can give you a, a level of room protection that's going to be steady uh, with pretty much any game he plays and make few mistakes. And I think that's really his sell, right? Like he's not probably going on the perimeter. He's not doing a whole lot outside of defending pick and rolls and drops and stuff like that. But he's 
really solid at doing it um, and makes few mistakes. And I think that's uh, pretty much the, the sell. Like he, he's got such a simple prospect. Um, all these guys are going to be simplistic somewhat as more traditional bigs, but he is probably even the most simplistic of them all. And I think um, that's, that's really all there is to his defense, but uh, despite being simple, that doesn't mean bad necessarily either. Yeah, so some notes for me. Uh, he's definitely like he's definitely like a deep drop big. He is not someone who can really get to the level, nor did he get to the level much. But you want him. I mean, there are multiple times he just stands in the paint, like Coop mentioned. There's no defensive three seconds, and there's quite a lot where he's just like literally keeping two feet in the charge circle, like at all times. And I don't love that. Like I, I feel like that does kind of limit how i feel about his defensive instincts some but i think he is legitimately good in drop like in executing knowing when to get up a little higher and take away a floater or a pull-up midi uh moving with the big as the big uh rolls to the rim stuff like that he's pretty good at uh, i wouldn't call him like super instinctual as like a help rim protector like uh, you know being there on on uh second side rim attacks but he's good he's good at those and and i like to my, my favorite like little micro skill of his defensively is how he balances when to go for a block and when to uh, just kind of be there and then get into a hard box out. Um, he's really good at that. He's not like an absurd block chaser, like a couple of the guys we might talk about later. He's pretty, he's pretty good at balancing that. Cause the two things I hate most are when you completely sell out for a block and give up a, you know, a, a wide open putback or, you completely sell out for a box out and don't even affect the the driver at all. You have to be able to balance both of those. And I think Betty Yaku does that really well. Um, on the perimeter, he's really, he's, I mean, he's just slow. He's stiff. His footwork is actually okay. And like, he can kind of take like one or two slides and be all right. Like, so if he's defending someone who wants to get into a pull-up jumper, he's a little better. And I do like his contest in general. Like he's just looks long. I, like I said, I don't have a, a, a wingspan measurement on the top of my, you know, sheet or anything, but it wouldn't surprise me if he had like a 7374 wingspan, like long enough arms. Um, definitely a big guy. I, I think there's enough to like there defensively. Like, I don't think there's like defensive player of the year upside or anything. Um, but I think he projects as a at the very least like an above average defensive big. And I would also say like He's limited some by he's just not super springy. He, you kind of look at him and you're like, that dude looks athletic. That dude looks like he is just like an uber athlete, but he's really not. He's he's a good athlete. He can get off the ground, but he kind of has a hard load time. But he is very good at getting vertical and like staying vertical and not and not like just having guys push through his chest. He's stronger than he looks. Um, I will say that he has a huge foul issue. Um I don't have his fouls per 100 on me, but I believe, or per 40, but I was looking at this earlier. It's absurd. Like, like he's fouling like uh, 6.1, 5.8 uh, per 100 possessions. Um, just an absurd foul rate. Uh, just something that's not going to be sustainable in any sort of high high volume at the NBA level. And it's a lot of things. I, it's a lot of, he was kind of asked to be the cleanup guy. Honestly, Alabama did not have good perimeter defenders outside of Jaden Bradley. I did not think Sears was good on the perimeter. Quinterly is pretty bad on the perimeter. Brandon Miller was kind of a turnstile at times. Uh, there are other guys. Clowney was questionable. Uh, you know, 
Gurley was out there. He wasn't great. Like they're just not a kind of great perimeter defender. So he was kind of asked to do a lot. He was a high volume rim protector. And also like he just kind of gets a little too handsy. A lot of his fouls aren't, he's fouling shooters with like bad technique or anything. He's just kind of like getting in too early or trying to prevent shots or, or swiping down too hard. Just like a lot of little things that I think can be cleaned up, but they haven't yet. And he's not super young. So uh, Coop, where are you at with, with Betty Aqua's defense? Yeah. Like you said, I think he's just kind of solid. Uh, he's not scheme versatile. Like y'all said, he's just long. He's big. Uh, I think like he, he, that's one of my favorite skills. Uh, what you talked about, Bryce, just like balancing when to go up for the rebound, when to stay down, uh, you know, when to, when to contest all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I think he's really, really good at that. And he's like not an awful mover in tight space. I wouldn't say he's like a good mover in tight space, but um, for a drop fake, I think he's pretty solid. He's got good length. He can get off the floor, but he's, he just covers a ton of ground and he's mobile enough to uh to bother guys don't really have much else to add other than that uh and if y'all are okay we can move over to the offense um so he's like i think he's got really good timing as a lob threat i think he's a good screener for like how like skinny his frame is i think i think he'll be able to put on weight and be like a really good screener and box outer um but my favorite thing about his game is the offensive rebounding. Uh, that 14.0 offensive rebound rate. Sorry. He uses his length really well. He covers, like I said, he covers ground well in tight spaces. And he's just got a nose for the ball. His hands are pretty solid. Like he he doesn't like bobble the ball a lot. If he gets his hand near the ball, he's going to come up with it. Um, you know, I, I don't think his touch is like crazy around the rim. Uh, Cause a lot of his attempts are really easy and that's why that number is at like 72%. But uh, he does miss a lot of bunnies that you don't like. And the free throw touch indicators aren't great. And uh, I don't think I love it, but if you can just manufacture easy lobs, stuff like that for him, I, I, he's solid. He can grab offensive rebounds. I think he's got really good timing on putbacks and when to like get in there. And he's like surprisingly slippery. For a guy who's as massive as he is, he can like slide around guys, get an arm in there. Um, I, I think he's just he's a little bit more than you expect from, a you know, a, a pick and roll big like this. Uh, but I think he's also good at a lot of the little stuff that you expect and, you know, need these guys to be good at, at least good enough to be like a backup. Yeah, I think, um, again, like his lack of like elite explosiveness does kind of limit him. Um he just takes a while to get off the ground. He can't like, he can't get to like the top corner of the backboard and like crunch these crazy walls. Like he's not Daniel Gafford. I think in terms of like big man prospects, like he's a tier below like the Daniel Gafford types. And Daniel Gafford would be like a totally competent starting center for a lot of teams in the league. So that's not like a huge knock on Bediaco, but he is just below that. Um, He can't dribble or like anything like that. But he, he actually is, like, not a horrible passer for whatever that's worth. Um, his biggest issue with turnovers, I mentioned, he has a sort of high turnover rate for his usage. He just, like, brings the ball down all the time. And whenever he's, like, catching and, like, coming down, and he just brings it to his, to his like, hip to try and get this big load up, like, he's just letting small guys poke it out. And it drives me absolutely nuts. That's one of my 
one of my favorite big man skills is when someone can catch the ball high and keep it high and just go right up with it. And Betty Aqua just doesn't really do that because he's such a load leaper. He wants to try and get his whole body into a load leap. And that includes the ball in his arms. And um, that's kind of a worry for me. He doesn't have very good touch. Every once in a while, he hit like a kind of impressive little touch shot around the rim, but it's nothing special. I mean, again, like he only averaged six points per game in 37 games on the year and he dunked 45 times. Like that can kind of give you a, a, a an idea of like, just how high the percentage of his buckets were dunks. I mean, I can even 45 of his 105 or 146 uh, close to attempts were dunks and he missed five dunks. So I don't know. I, I'm not going to do the math. Like, this is, you know, the numbers are there. Like he's not like some elite rim finisher without it, but he's not bad either. He's good at using the glass. He's just fine. He's a really good screener. The one thing I'll absolutely give him great screener. Sets good, strong screens, knows when to slip, knows when to kind of stick hard on it. Um, occasionally will really rock a guy's, you know, uh, really rock a guy's chest, and I like that. Um, Stone, do you have anything else to add on his offense? And if not, or even if so, you can kind of transition us to where you have him. Yeah, um, I think the other aspect is just the development he's had over the past couple of years. Like, I think the passing was like a weakness of his to begin with, but I think over time it's developed to where he can be like a fine short roll passer can pass out of doubles if he needs to. Like, I think those things are there. Um, He's not creating anything and he's more of just like a ball mover, but I think he can, you know, make the simplistic reads. Um, The load time isn't great. The footwork, like, or the touch, I mean, with, uh, like, post-ups or anything, he's not going to be posting up. He's basically just a cleanup guy uh, and a lob guy. Like, that's all he does on offense. Uh, and I'm totally fine with that. If that's your backup for 10, 12 minutes a game, like, I think that's completely fine. Um, I think he uh, can be a really solid rebounder um, with his arms. Um, the load time isn't great, but I feel like the timing is of when to leave the ground to jump for rebounds um he's put on substantial weight too over the past couple years where he was a lot skinnier than he even was this year Uh, and i think he's filled his frame out a bit uh, even since coming in Um, and i think that's helped him quite a bit too Uh, as a defender he can now defend post-ups um i think can take more contact in those situations and you're you're fine with it um and I think he does set good screens. Like he's uh, able to screen roll really quickly. That's one thing I like about him quite a bit is that um, he is a really strong roller. It's not, he's, he's not like taking a long time to get to the rim. He sets his screen and, and, and immediately will turn and roll. Um, I like that about him. And I think uh, he's just overall, I view him as the way I've always viewed him. Like as much as I'm, putting out this Bediaco propaganda and for however long I've been doing it. Like I've still only ever seen him as just like a solid backup center. And I don't see him as anything more than that, but I think he's one of the easiest bets to be that of just a career guy who can come off the bench, give you 10, 12 minutes a game um, as someone that uh, can protect the rim, be, uh, be a rim runner. Basically. I mean, that's what he is. Uh, and be totally fine at that. And, um, and I think that's the best way to view Bediaco. Um, and because I feel so confident in him achieving that sort of outcome, to me, that's worth uh, fully like 100% uh, 
as a draftable guy. Uh, I think I have him 47 on my board, um, which is about the end of that tier, but uh, someone I would still, I feel confident in being an NBA player. And to me, that's worth uh, solidly drafting. Yeah. I have him as a guy. I would, uh, I'd take him in the second. Uh, I have him at 41 uh, below Amani Bates and above Trace Jackson Davis. Um, he's solid. He can give you stuff. I think he's like good at, at a couple different big man micro skills. And uh, for the right team, you know, if you just need a backup defensive big man who won't get absolutely killed, why not take Betty Ako? You know, he can run some pick and roll and like be a part of your offense and not get you killed. He's solid. Uh, and, and, you know, at, at a certain point, got to take just solid. Yeah. Uh, for me, I, I actually, I have him. I think higher than stone technically uh, because I have him at 46 on my board right now, um, which, you know, uh, not that that's, he might have him more like purely draftable. I have him at, or, or sorry, 44 on my board. I would draft him and probably give him a two way. I wouldn't draft him and hundred percent give him that kind of guaranteed contract, but uh, I think, He's at least worth a two-way and and a look in that way. Uh, Azulis Tubelis. Um, Tubelis played at Arizona this year, uh, and he was like statistically one of the best players in the country. Um, at the combine, he measured six eight point seven five in sh- or without shoes with a six eleven wingspan. So, kind of like like slightly undersized center size, he would say. Uh, you know, at basically six ten with the six eleven wingspan, not small but not huge either at, at, at Arizona. Um, he was, I mean, like I said, one of the best statistical players in the country. I thought that um, a lot of his kind of game was oriented around him being the four there, which I have my reservations about, but he is a March 22nd, 2002 birthday, 21 years old. So 12 days younger than Betty Ako. He'll turn 22 towards the end of his rookie season. He did spend one more year in college than Betty Aqua, though, for whatever that's worth. This season, he averaged 19.8 points on 57, 31.3, 76.4 shooting splits, um, grabbed 9.1 rebounds, 2 assists, 1.1 steals, 0.7 blocks, 2.4 turnovers. Um, also, uh, had, you know, total true shooting, 61.4, uh, 14.1 assists, 12.9 turnover rates. Uh, 2.1 steal rate is actually pretty good. 2.4 block rate is not very good um, for someone his size. Uh, he, like I said, you know, super efficient on close twos this year. He shot uh, 69.4% on 278 attempts. Uh, important to note that they played really fast. Uh, and that was a big, that's a big part of that. But also shot 41.5% on bar twos, which that'll encompass like floater shots, uh, some post-ups and definitely mid-range jumpers. Um he also did not shoot very many threes, only a 1.73 point uh, rate. But I think some people think he can shoot from outside. Dunk 22 times. Coop, I'll throw this to you to get this started. Just what do you feel about kind of his overall offensive game? Uh, Tabellus is the, uh, you know, the the evil twin to, you know, the uh, the good the good grifter. He's the bad grifter to the, the good grifter. I think he just wins on such thin margins and like off of such bad officiating and it's not like, I I don't think he can shoot. I don't know how to feel about the passing. I don't think it's like super advanced, but he can like make hit aheads and make like simple reads in the Arizona motion offense. 
Uh, and that really just leaves him with at the rim finishing. And I mean, most of his stuff is assisted. And I don't think he's a crazy vertical threat. He's not super crafty. Most of the time, it's just Arizona plays faster than you and runs you off the floor. And he can't really do much. Um, I'm just not like the statistical profile is crazy. The, the 70% at the rim, almost 300 attempts, crazy. But when you're playing at the pace that Arizona plays at, uh, you know, I, I think the the tough shot making is kind of cool, but then that makes him 6'11 Jaime Jaquez with even less skill. And that's like, I like without the passing. And I just don't, I don't really know how to feel about that kind of player. I don't feel very strongly about him being like an NBA player. Uh, so I just, I, I'm worried. I, I think a lot of this is, you know, Arizona fools gold. And uh, I, I don't see how it translates to the next level very much. Yeah. Um, I don't really see anything <laughs> uh, offensively. Like uh, obviously he, I mean, he had some value in college offensively, but uh, to an NBA level, like I think the, um, I, I don't, most of the passes to me are, it's not created. It's like created out of the post, I guess. And I don't think whatever NBA team drafts him is drafting him with enough usage to make that passing sort of valuable. Um, Cause they're not feeding and running their offense through the post through Tabellus um, most likely. And um, I don't buy the shooting. I don't think the touch is there for it to really be there. Uh, maybe he can hit some spot ups, but, probably not at any meaningfully um enough volume for it to to matter a whole lot um i think that the that he has good footwork in the post like as a post scorer i think that's his biggest um positive is just the footwork that he has uh but i also think that he just has like it's really slow load time as a leaper to try and finish through anything um I feel like he he tries to force a lot at the rim, and like if you're if you're predominantly going to be utilized as like a post scorer, which in and of itself is you know difficult to do these days as a fringe draftable type guy, um, then you need to make sure you're really good at that. And I think that he has a lot of trouble with forcing everything there. Um, he's not a good enough leaper to to finish over guys. Um, I think that he's premeditated uh, quite a bit in terms of like, I'm going to get this shot off regardless. Uh, and he tries everything in his power to make it work and happen. Uh, and it just doesn't a lot of times. Um, I, th I think that there's just a lot of like, if, when you zoom out, it's like, is this guy who's best attribute is being a post scorer is he good enough at that to really succeed at an nba level and to me i just don't see that yeah so for me uh i think the sell is less that he's like a post scorer and more that like he's forwardy enough to be like a um dho operator uh you know kind of turn the corner get downhill type uh beat bigs off the bounce I think my issue with that is he's not fast enough to beat bigs and he's not strong enough to beat bigs either he was very reliant on playing the four and being guarded by other college fours um and that is something that worries me like when you're that 
you, you know, you, your your skill set is so much based on bullying smaller guys. Uh, that's a worry. A lot of his, also a lot of his assists are like these high low passes, which just you don't. I mean, I I'm I'm all for a good entry pass. Like, how often do you see a real like post post high low pass in the NBA? I just it's just not something you see. I feel like that cell is very reliant on them um on on him being able to shoot and I don't think he can shoot the release is like at his chin it's super flicky um the touch is legitimately good like I think he is a very good touch guy um he really can finish a lot but as soon as he's faced with bigger more athletic bigs to try and finish over you can kind of see him start to like I don't want to say shrink but start to get less comfortable with you know his finishing and focus more on pulling out some weird bullshit to try and finish over guys and it's just not something i think translates um at like a super high level let me talk about his defense quickly it's not good um the steal rate is mostly from like these traps uh that arizona would run a lot and he's like not mobile enough to really execute that in the nba it works some against college to college offensive players who don't have that type of handle and like he has moments right like every once in a while he can knock it completely cooked but there's too much where he does there's too often where he does get completely cooked or where he just looks kind of lost out there and he provides nothing as a rim protector um other than when he's just kind of guarding in the post but even stale like good post scores are going to get it on him like basically your sell with him is that he's a solid spark plug offensive player who could operate some dhos and be a good post-up scorer and good post-up passer and for me that's just not something that's worth drafting or giving a guaranteed two-way or even giving giving a guaranteed summer league spot to i do have him in my like summer league maybes type like he's in my best of the rest bigs category um but that's really all that's as high as i can get on on tubelis and honestly like I think like we overlook some guys with maybe easier translations, guys like, you know, maybe uh Grant Basili, who are have similar issues, but maybe a slightly easier offensive translation. And Tubelis did put up better numbers, but he was also in a better system. And I don't know, that's just that's just kind of where I'm at. Coop, uh, where where are you kind of at overall with with Tubelis's defense and, and with his ranking? Yeah, so Tubelis is is one of the guys who I kind of hinted at at the top. It's like Oh, he has this crazy defensive rebound rate, 21.8. He can really like clean the boards and then 2.3 block rate, 2.1 steal rate, you know, clears baseline of two for both of those, but he's almost seven feet tall with a really poor block rate for a seven footer and the 2.1 steal rate. I mean, he just gets cooked constantly. He's not a great mover. Um, I just really don't buy anything from him defensively. Um, he doesn't commit a ton of fouls, but it's mainly, I feel like, cause he just doesn't do a ton as like a defender. Um, and I mean, really that leads me to, I, I have him at 57. I just don't, I don't buy very much with him, like in general. Um, I just don't know what NBA skill he brings. I mean, I guess craft he's kind of, I mean, if you really buy the grift and like, Oh, you know, he's spunky you know, big white guy, but I, I just don't, I don't know. I, I don't get it with him. And I've said that like 40 times in a row. So stone, where, where are you at? Yeah, I have him at like 130 on my board right now out of 160 guys. Um, 
I am just not into him. And the rankings mean less. I should note, like the rankings, it's the further down you go, the more fluid it is, and more it's just about like what tier they're in as opposed to what their numerical ranking is. But I have him as a guy I would maybe look to bring on a summer league roster. Uh, wouldn't look at him with an NBA contract. Wouldn't prioritize him for a summer league roster spot. But maybe there's an opportunity where I could be like. Yeah, I could use like some some post scoring um for this team. So that's what more where I would look at him. Um he's probably ends up being like an overseas guy, I would imagine, finding some success in that route. But uh to me just nothing really screams NBA with him. Uh let's move on to someone else who doesn't really scream NBA, uh, and that's Drew Timmy. And Drew Timmy has forever had this reputation as the best college player to not be a real NBA prospect. I disagree with that because I I honestly don't even think he was really that good of a college player. Um, and in the outline, I have to start with offense, but I actually do want to start with defense um, after I give his baseline stats, and, and I'll, I'll say why in, in, in a minute. Um, at the combine, he came in, measured at 68.75, which surprised me. That's about the same. That's exactly the same height as Tubelis. I thought Tubelis was bigger. Uh, so both those guys are you know, actually kind of 6'10", which, again, did not see coming. He has a 7.1.75 wingspan, so bigger than Tubelis, you know, in totality. Um, he shot 73.1% on 305 close twos, 46.2% on, uh, on 169 far twos, only 4 out of 24 on threes, though. Uh, did have 21 dunks, so, you know, could get up a little bit for that for a white boy. Uh, of course, he played four years at Gonzaga. He's a September 9th, 2000 birthday. He's 22 years old. Um, he will turn 23 uh, in a couple months. So his rookie season will be his age 23 season. He did average 21.2 points per game on 61.6, uh, 16.7, 63.2 shooting splits. Grabbed 7.5 boards, 3.2 assists, uh, 0.6 steals, point, basically one block. Um, not point one block, basically one total block, I should say. 19.1 assist rate, 13.3 uh, turnover rate. 1.1 steal, 3.3 block rate, 62.8% true shooting. Um, I want to start with this defense because Timmy is not just like a negative defensive prospect who will have to be hidden in some way. He is arguably the worst defensive prospect uh, in the, like, you know, in, in the draft this year. And he was one of the most damaging defensive players um, in, in the draft uh, or, or in, in college basketball this year, I should say. Like he was, um, Gonzaga was an awful defensive team and that was all because of him. Like, I, I don't mean to be hyperbolic, but he cannot like conceivably be a good defensive five in any way whatsoever. He can't protect the rim. He's too slow to switch or hedge on the perimeter. Um, he doesn't have really the, the motor to make plays. His hands aren't great. His recognition and help is pretty mediocre, there is just nothing to like defensively. Uh, Coop, you can also kind of give a defensive take. And then do you want to try and give me what the Timmy sell might be? Should he be an NBA guy? Yeah, I don't have too much to add uh, on the defense. I just don't buy it. Uh, I mean, 3.3 block rate for a guy who's like legit 6'10 in shoes is uh, really low. Especially like this year he played the five. Like, I mean, I guess Anton Watson, but... Even if you're the four, you should still be, you know, getting hitting a three point three block rate higher than uh higher than that. And I, I actually I think they played Timmy lower this year and, and Watson more as a stopper 
Watson more like as the four, but I could very well be wrong there. Um, the sell with Timmy is that he's got crazy footwork in the post offensively. Uh, the touch is, uh, you know, pretty good around the rim. I don't think he has like generally good touch. His free throw number is, is really worrying. Uh, he gets to the free throw line like all the time, always has, hasn't had a free throw rate below 43. In the only year he had it below 49, he played with Chet Holmgren, right? And the, Chet was the five and more of a center point of the offense. Um, so you're basically betting on him to be an all offense bruiser big who can make some passes. Uh, I think he's like improved every single year as a passer. His, uh, his assist rate has gone up every single year. His delivery's gotten a little bit better. His vision's gotten better. But I, I don't know how valuable that is. If you like, oh, yeah, we can play him for five minutes at a, like two to three minutes at a time, and then uh, just see what he can cook. And then he gives up every single bucket that <laughs> that he puts up on the other end. Uh, it's really a tough sell, and it's like I get it. I appreciate the post scoring, uh, but I mean, we Jaleel Okafor is a better post scorer and is floundering and has the exact same issues and is stuck in the G League, right? Like, we, we've we seen this story before. We know exactly how it's going to go. Um, even if you buy all the growth and all the improvement, um, I, I just don't think that it's a skill set that's valued at all in the modern NBA. And it's not like he's, like, even like Shingun, right? Where he's like, okay, he's a plus passer, and can self-create rim attempts at will, and you don't have to set him up. You can just give him the ball at the three-point line, and he can manufacture it for himself. Like, no, he still needs to be set up. You still have to make the post-entry pass. You still have to do a bunch of stuff. And I don't think he's, like, an elite roller because he's not a crazy athlete. He's, like, good. He's an okay, like, short-roll passer. But like we talked about on the last pod, how often are you getting short-roll opportunities, especially if you're playing, like, five minutes a game? And, 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 like... These all offense bigs, I think you have to be really good and all good at every single aspect of offense. And I don't think Timmy's going to shoot, right? Like there are holes in the offensive game and the defense is just non-existent. It's it's horrendous. So I, I just don't really buy him even with like the bruiser big sell that he sometimes gets. I mean, I think if he could shoot, he he would have much obviously a much stronger chance. You could say that about any prospect, but um, I think that that's really what an NBA team would be looking at for like why they would take him is can, is there any semblance of him being able to space the floor? And I tend to lean towards no. Um, I think he does have good toucher on the rim. I think he's got really good footwork in the post. Um, I'm not even going to really touch on the defense because I don't feel like being overly mean, but basically he's a liability in every aspect and you can't put him anywhere on the floor. Uh, and, and hide it so that leaves you to the offense and I think he's I think he has a lot of really good post um skills that he's just not good enough to be like a, a you know a, a player that you could put on the court um it's not to the level that you need it to be with the defense at the caliber it is yeah and I think that uh he has to be like this elite level to really succeed. Um, I think he's 
good at a lot of stuff. He's really good touch, really good footwork, really good interior passer. Like I think if he sees a cutter as a passer or yeah, as a post guy, uh, he's going to make that pass really, really well. Um, but he's just a nothing on defense and that matters. And the fact that he can't space the floor, if you can't do one of those things, really, it's really hard for you to succeed, especially at his age and especially uh, with the fact that he's not a great athlete. So I think that that's, uh, it's really tough to envision him, you know, making a, making it in the NBA. And um, I mean, I think like, I, I prefer him. We'll get, I guess we can just get into ranking where I have him. Like I prefer him by a lot to someone like Tabellus because I just think Timmy is actually good at post stuff. Um, so I, I have him um, <laughs> un- unintentionally at, 69 on my board um where i would consider him with a two-way maybe just because he's so elite at the or not elite elite but he's so good at the post stuff um but there's just not enough for me outside of that to really be on on drafting him um and you know or or prioritize him as a two-way guy yeah i have him at a 51 uh keep in mind my board is a lot smaller than these two guys um they are sickos to a completely different degree than me and especially you know i had a little break earlier but uh he's at 51 in my uh maybe a guy tier like stone said i mean he is like a bruiser and he has skills and there's a lot of guys in this draft who i just don't see as having nba skills and uh for what it's worth if i were an nba team i would probably give julio okafor a shot for like some of preseason and I would probably give Drew Timmy a shot for some of preseason if that's something that you wanted to try uh but it's not not really my thing but I I can understand why you would yeah for me I have him uh in the same tier as Tubalis but ahead of Tubalis um again just not a, a a an archetype I really value I also think like you guys hit on it a lot, but like, I don't think the passing is great. Like if the passing was great, that'd be different, but it's, he's much more of a survey the floor, make stagnant reads or predetermine my read type of passer rather than like an elite reactive passer or anything. But I do have, I have him right below Grant Basile and, and Tosana Bumwan. Like, I don't know. There's some, there's some funk there. Oscar Shibwe, uh, not Tishiebwe as I used to want to say. Um, Shibwe is a November 27th, 1999 birthday. He's 23 years old. He'll turn 24 about a month into his rookie season. Um, He started his career playing at West Virginia, played there for two seasons. I believe in that sophomore year, left like halfway through the year, uh, only played 10 games. And I don't think he got hurt. He just left the team, Um, went to Kentucky and has been, I mean, basically a national player of the year contender both years. I think he won it one year, uh, if I remember right um last year um anyways this season he averaged 16.5 points per game on 56 0 uh 72.9 shooting splits uh grabbed 13.7 boards 1.6 assists 1.6 deals one block two turnovers um obviously the stats gonna stand out is that 20.7 percent offensive rebound rate 29.8 percent defensive rebound rate 60.3 percent true shooting uh 90 or 9.5 uh, assist rate, uh, 12.9 turnover rate. Um, some some solid numbers there. Only a 3-3 block rate, though. 2-9 steal rate. Had It did have a 5.4 block rate his junior year. 
So like that number at least looked a little better. Um, 54% free throw rate is really good. He dunked 43 times on the year, shot 68.6% uh, on close twos, 34.9% on far twos, but he will take them. He likes to take those little like jab step mid-rangers. It was not really an efficient shot, but he would take them and he could hit some, like he could get high. I watched a, uh, the Florida game where he hit like four of them. Um, I think the place I want to start is talking about offensive rebounding as a concept. Um, it gets talked about so much and this is a lot of basketball skills. And just one of my pet peeves in general with like talent evaluation is like talking about things in a vacuum. Like it exists in like irregardless of like other things on the court. And I'm guilty of this too. I'm sure sometimes when I'm talking about this and trying to break someone's game down, it can seem like I'm not connecting the dots as well as I should. Absolutely. But offensive rebounding specifically, like you can't just say an offensive rebounding and not also give the context that every missed offensive rebound, especially if you're a big who is selling out to go for them is likely to be a transition opportunity for the next team. There's no better example than Coop Steve this year where the Rockets were like the best offensive rebounding team in the NBA by like a country mile. And they were also the worst transition defense in the NBA by a country mile in terms of frequency and uh, effectiveness. Like those two things are not like those two things are directly related, directly correlated. They're selling out for offensive rebounds allows other teams to push the ball. And do they get some good points off it? Yeah. But I believe in so such thing as ethical offensive rebounding and Shibuya is not an ethical offensive rebounder, in my opinion. He is selling out all the time. Now, he's good at it. He is like, it is a legit skill, his rebounding. Offensively, defensively, he's a very good rebounder. He's good at box outs. He hunts them. He, you know, has like these kind of Kevon Looney suction cup hands where he just like reaches over dudes to grab the ball and all this stuff. And, and, and there's some impressive stuff there. But also, when he doesn't get a board, He's the last guy back down on defense and the other team is getting a good shot. It just happens all the time. Uh, and it really bothered me. Uh, so Stone, I'll throw this to you. That was kind of my rant on his rebounding. How's the rest of his offensive game? Um, I mean, uh, okay. So I'll start with this. I'll start with the good. Like I don't get into character much or anything just because we don't know these people. Um, but like Shibuya's been around for a long time and I've seen a lot of his interviews. He seems like one of the coolest people. Like he seems a really high character dude. Um, he has worked a ton on, on trying to make that mid range formidable, um, which I know we're, we're talking about defense more, but, or offense, excuse me, but that I don't buy that offense transit like i don't think that as much work as he's put in it's still to an nba degree like it's still very much a inconsistent part of his game that is just not there i don't think he has the touch to really make it work i think it's just it's not there for him offensively with how he can score it's very much for me what we talked about with betty Ako as a cleanup guy as a role guy like i think that's his offense boiled down to two aspects of what he provides at an NBA level, I think it's that. Um, and I don't think he's the role man in sense of like a lob threat that Betty Yako might be. So it's difficult for me to envision, you know, what the offensive sell with him is. Um, 
I think he's worked too on becoming like a pretty decent passer out of the short roll for whatever it's worth because I don't think he's going to get a lot of those opportunities necessarily, but he can do it. Um, he is it, – it just feels like he's not comfortable shooting the ball. Like as much as he's – much reps as he's put in, as much as he's worked on trying to make it a part of his game, it just still feels like he's not completely – unhesitant that's not even a word but I made it one um to to take these so I think that he is a, really a cleanup guy like offensively that's what it boils down to I know he has the massive numbers um I for I I, I do think he is actually like a really strong rebounder um I I think that that part of it is real like I think he's um got all the aspects of positioning and boxing out and stuff like that uh nailed down to a T. I don't know if that's enough to get you in the NBA, just being a guy who can make, you know, second chance opportunities for your team. Um, but he, for, you know, my, from my perspective, it, it seems like that's a translatable aspect of his game. Um, outside of that, I don't see much offensively for him. Yeah. I mean that uh, 34.3 defensive rebound rate last year is like, otherworldly uh, i'm gonna do a search once i pass it off to see like who all has like hit that mark or passed it or whatever in the bart database but i think the biggest thing is that he's a free throw tank and he has gotten better as a free throw shooter hit 73 percent of his free throws this year on like a pretty large amount i think he's tough he gets into the into the the lane really well um I do wish that he didn't settle for jumpers as much, but like you said, it's a part of his game. He's trying to develop. He's trying to get better Um, while working on that. He's still at a 60.3 true shooting and was like a pretty good finisher on a pretty solid amount of like assisted to unassisted. Um, He's tough. He's solid. I just, if I don't think he's like athletic enough to be like a roller and you can't really just be like a bruiser at the next level. And I, I mean, he he's strong enough and like has the post moves to like roll like kind of slow and then hit a post move and do some cool or draw a free throw. But then, I mean, the defense just isn't that good. I mean, his like, we'll, we'll get to the defense here in a sec, but uh, it, it's just worrying. It's kind of like, it's the same general cell as Timmy, but he's bulkier and a more solid rebounder. I, I think the highs are high and the lows are a little bit lower. Uh, for Sheboy. Yeah, I just, I, I don't think he's really all that good at anything offensively other than, like, getting boards and putbacks, and that, that's fine. Like, again, like, I don't think he's a super translatable offensive rebounder, but he's not an untranslatable one either, but when you think of the top offensive rebounding bigs, who do, who do you think? Kubo, I'll actually just brought it to you. Who do you think of when you think of the top offensive rebounding bigs in the NBA right now? In the NBA? Uh, like Mitchell Robinson, uh, I think of like Shengun, Capella, uh, Capella, uh, I go bear, maybe I I, th- I think it go bear. I it's a lot of um, AD. I think there's two camps there. So what I'm trying to get at is that there's two <laughs> camps. Um, yeah, there's your um, gigantic dude. Where you're just huge, and Shibley's not that. Uh, that's Jokic basically, and Jokic also 
uh, plays on a team where he doesn't have to like sprint all the way back to the paint defensively. Or there's your putback guys, your Capellas, your Mitchell Robinsons, who are they're great offensive rebounders because they can dunk the fucking shit out of the ball. I'd also put Hardenstein into the big who can like you know he's a fine passer out of that too. Like was was encouraged to go get those boards. Shengun, I won't count because his offensive rebounding is unethical. So I'm not counting that. He, he um, mostly gets his own misses because he's so yeah. round bound. Or or right? there's a it's lot like, of that too. Like where it's like guys who get their own misses, that's different. Shibuya can do that, but like he's that's not what he's getting drafted for. What I'm getting at, and and Stone, I don't I'm with you. Like, I don't like to do this whole like, oh, you know, like if it hasn't worked before thing, that means it can't work. I'm not trying to say that, but with Shibuya, like I think there's specific types of offensive rebound gurus that work in the league. There are guys who can get on top of the rim and dunk it as they get the board, or they're like guys who have just absurdly good hands and are good passers out of that. So a guy like Jokic, part of why he's so empowered to go get offensive boards is that if he grabs one and there's three guys around him on defense, he's going to find Jamal Murray open on the wing, like immediately. And that's the same with Hartenstein. Hartenstein was great at that, uh, especially for the Clippers, the Knicks less so, but like, that's a valuable skill. Shibuya doesn't have that. It, when he grabs an offensive rebound, he usually likes to put his head down and try and post up. Occasionally, he'll do like a grab and immediately go back up, but not always. That's not really his plan. It, most A lot of his offensive rebounds are like basically fouls where he's kind of reaching over someone's back and grabbing the ball and then turning his back to them and immediately trying to do a post move. Like It's just not a super translatable thing. And, and as I move to the defense, like... He's a good defensive rebounder, but he can't do anything else effectively on that end. He's a bad rim protector. His lateral quickness looks fine, but then he's also like extraordinarily poor, like footwork wise. Like he can take like one or two good steps and then he's going to get beat. So it's like, how important are those one or two good steps? I just, I don't know. It just doesn't really move me at all. And for me, that's he's another guy who I have in my undrafted range, uh, my deep undrafted range. I have him um, right above Azua Stubelis for whatever that's worth. Like, there's just and just guys I don't really buy. They could they'd probably stick in the G League for me. They're probably in real life like gonna get you know legitimate looks, get maybe even get drafted. Um, but I I I wouldn't. Uh, Stone Coop, where are you guys at? I have him at 92 on my board. Um, so basically like right in between Timmy and Tubelis. Um, he's someone that I uh, would prioritize with the summer league roster spot. I, I wouldn't consider him really with a two-way, but I would, I would definitely prioritize him on my summer league team. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think he does at least have like as valuable as they may or may not be uh, to whoever, you know, is listening, I guess. Um, he does, for what it's worth, have NBA-level skills. It's just the value of those aren't super high with the fact that he doesn't have a lot of ancillary skills to go along with it. So um, at the very least, like, I, I think there's that. And for me, it's worth prioritizing as a summer league roster spot. Yeah, so I know I have Shibuya in the same tier as uh, as Timmy, but I honestly am personally trying to sort out whether to have him above or below Timmy. Um, I think I like Shibuya's just like absolute machineness as a rebounder, even if it is kind of unethical. Um, 
I think I like that more as a backup bet with like some of the post scoring and some of like, oh, he's at least trying jumpers and a lot of stuff like that. I think I prefer that to a guy whose main sell is just, oh, look at the po- post footwork and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I think I'll end up with Sheboy just at 51 right above Timmy. But I mean, they're, it's if you really want a mix it up backup big like that, you do you. Let's move on to uh, the next guy we're talking about, and that's Tumani Kamara. Um, Kamara is a like he he played at um, the PIT this year, um, and people say he looked really good there. I did not watch those um, games, but people say he looks good. He's from Brussels, Belgium, so shout out. You know, it's a cool seems like a cool place. This is six eight two twenty. Uh, he's twenty three years old. He's a May eighth two thousand birthday, so he'll turn. He just recently turned 23. His rookie season will be his age 23 season. In four years in college, he started his career at Georgia and then played at Dayton. By his senior year, he averaged 13.9 points per game on 54.6, 36.3, 66.9 shooting splits, grabbed 8.7 rebounds per game, through 1.7 assists, 1.2 seals, 0.8 blocks, 2.1 turnovers. Um, he was playing more of the four for Dayton. It's probably worth noting next to Dayron Holmes, uh, and that will affect some of his numbers. 3.2 block rate, 2.6 steal rate, 13.4 assist rate, 15.4 turnover rate, 60.9 true shooting. He had 38 dunks on the year, but didn't miss a single one, 38 for 38, uh, which is good and bad, I suppose. Uh, 72% at the rim, uh, 38.8% off bar twos. Actually, it's a pretty solid number. Took some threes on the year, like I said. Shots 36.2, uh, made 29 total threes. So shot... You know, a little less than a three per game uh, and shot 36% on them. Um, had a 60.9% total true shooting, like I mentioned. So there's some stuff to like there statistically, even if like, especially the defensive stuff is not great. Coop, I'm going to throw this to you. What's just the general sell with Tumani Kamara? Uh, well, I mean, it's a guy who kind of played on the perimeter next to Dayron Holmes uh, a lot of the year. Uh, he's got a little bit of a handle. Uh, he, like, like you said, the shot is kind of real. I don't, I don't think I buy it personally, but, uh, I mean, 36.2% and almost, you know, 67% from the free throw line. Oh, you know, solid. Uh, you can trick yourself into buying that pretty easily. Um, got to the free throw line a solid amount. I think that's cause he can just dribble a little bit and is decently tall, but he's like, not, he's not NBA big man size and he's not athletic enough to make up for, the fact that he's uh, not NBA big man size. Um, he's got like, there's some funk there offensively. I mean, they, like I said, the handle and the offensive rebounding is solid, but he's mostly just like an easy finish merchant who like plays off of the fact that Dayron Holmes is like a dunk machine. And, you know, there that was a pretty good team and he was mostly a cutter. And if you're, and he's not like a wing cutter because he's not really getting guarded out to the three point line. Uh, he's an okay screener. I mean, he's just kind of okay. The the at rim numbers are kind of inflated by, you know, the easy dunks. And then just like how easy the other guys on the team made it for him to just like finish over and over and over again. And he, he missed a lot of bunnies, you know, that you don't expect guys that big in the A-10 to, to really miss. He's another, I mean, honestly, like I, I'm not really sure where to be with Kamara offensively because number one, it was an awful context for him to succeed in any real way at Dayton. Like he's, 
he can't succeed playing next to a guy like Daron Holmes. It's just not going to work for him to optimize him. Um, he's very much a, uh, like Cooper said, a easy finish type guy. And that's basically a five on offense. Um, and he was forced to be a four on offense because Daron Holmes was playing next to him so often. Um, a lot of times they're getting in each other's ways, uh, like as cutters and off ball guys. But yeah, I mean, other than that, like it's just a lot of, he's a good off ball mover, I guess. Um, but as a guy who is going to like primarily offensively be this finisher, he's got really bad touch in my opinion to make that work. Like that he's missing a lot of easy stuff. Like Cooper said, um, he, just doesn't have like a good toucher on the rim. Um, he can make like dunks or whatever, but um, there's a lot of just a lot of the finishing too is just him going at his defender and putting the ball up. Like there's not a lot of I'm gonna finish in this specific way to get the ball into the hoop and get around my defender. It's just let me get to the rim and and the ball will go up from there and hope for the best. Um, the other aspect is uh apart from me not really buying the shooting um he just doesn't pass like at all um he'll never really look to make a pass unless it's just like he he's on the wing can't get a shot off and it's like a ball movement type thing but um he is really just allergic to making a pass um and it's difficult because that he probably needs to do it a lot more than he does with the offensive skill set that he has. So I'm really unsure of like what NBA level offense skill that he brings um, at the next level. Yeah, I think I'm a little more in on like, I like his ambidexterity as a post finisher. I think he has some fun handle moments. I love his stutter it move. It's elite. Um he he will just take forever in the post like that's something i always hate is when someone just like takes forever and gets nowhere and goes nowhere it's just so obnoxious to me um which i know like that sounds like a weird basketball pet peeve to have but like i like when guys go quickly in the post look scan your reads if there's not a pass go get going don't like take a meandering dribble and just do all this little like shoulder shake and get a feel like no do something do something with the ball or pass like get off the ball like um and and he does that all the time uh but i do like that he can kind of hit hooks over both shoulders i like his little step through moves um he i think he was hurt by the spacing a lot i, I think that's like a lot of the bunnies he was worried about is probably because dayron holmes guy was like right there and while he didn't jump he could have and, and some of that's like i think kamara is a little bit more contact averse than i'd like um he had a only a 40.8 free throw rate. And I think a lot of that is he's like trying to shy away from contact or move, you know, move his body around guys instead of just going through him. Like he's strong. He is, you know, what, 6'8, 220, if not a little bigger, probably. Like he should be going through guys more than he does. He just doesn't do that really ever. And that's something that frustrates me. Um, but in general, like, yeah, I'm mostly with you guys. Like there's not a ton to latch on to. Coop, is there anything more positive defensively, or is this another guy who we're just going to be all kind of collectively out on? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't super love the defense. I mean, the the block and steal rates. I mean, okay for a guy who mainly kind of played the four next to Holmes. Uh, he has some cool moments where he like flies in and, and has some stuff, but I, uh, 
I just don't super buy him. Like he he could be something, and I could look like an idiot. He's a twenty three point three defensive rebound rate, which is really solid. I think he is just like a good defensive rebounder and cleans up boards well. He was playing next to Dayron Holmes, who's another guy who was like a really good defensive rebounder. Um, and I mean, he cleaned up shop. He did his job. He was all right. Don't think he's anything special. Uh, I I don't know. Not probably not somebody I would draft at, at this point. I think a lot of his rebounding is super fake. Like I, he does oh, like he gets rebounds, but it's oftentimes he's the beneficiary of Dayron Holmes and Mustafa Amzil blocking other guys out, and he's just the one to go get the board. Um, I I think I don't know. There's some okay moments where he like sits in a stance, all right. Like he actually can do that, and his footwork isn't awful. He's just too slow to be like a a huge factor. So I'm kind of with you. There's just not a ton to latch on to with him defensively. He's just he's just very mediocre. I also wouldn't draft him. I have him, you know, in in the same range as Shebley and Tubelis and Timmy, like that same tier where I'm going to have basically all these guys. Uh, but he's in the middle of that. I have him above. I have him above Tubelas and Shibwe, but below Timmy. So it's kind of where I'm at. Stone, do you have any final thoughts on on uh, Kamara? Um, I, I forgot to mention offensively. Like something I noticed, he's just like a lot of times if he's doing like a back to the basket play or like has his head down as he's driving and he puts the shot up, it's like way short a lot of the time. It's like he just has a bad awareness of where the rim is if he's not looking directly at the rim, which is just like a weird little thing I noticed. Uh, defensively, uh, I don't know if you guys thought this, but his wing span just looks pretty short. Like it just – he doesn't have a good wingspan. Um, I don't think he's a rim protector. I don't see how he is able to defend guys on the wing. Um, so I just – don't really see where he fits in defensively. Um, I have him at 120 on my board. Uh, not someone I would really consider with a two-way or prioritize with the summer league roster spot. I would maybe give him a summer league roster spot, but I'm not clamoring to do so. Kaiodorichi, Akabundu, Ehiogu. Um, we're going to call him KO uh, because that's easier. I believe that's how he prefers to be referred to as well. He's from Lagos, Nigeria. He's 6'9", 190 pounds with a 7'4 wingspan. Um, he uh, is an October 7th, 1999 birthday, so he's 23. He'll turn 24, like, right before the start of his rookie season, so he's old. But there's a pretty obvious, like, and everyone will point to this, like, he doesn't have a ton of playing time history. He started his career at Southwest Assemblies of God College. Um, I don't know where that is or what that is. I don't have any stats from there, but that's where he played. And then he transferred, so he sat out a year because this was before the transfer rule. Played at UT, UT Arlington for two seasons where you know he averaged 21 minutes per game in both and never scored over five points per game. Um, was an efficient shooter for whatever that's worth. Uh, then transferred to Memphis, played only 10.6 minutes in 30 games. I believe he dealt with some injury stuff, but obviously some of it is just that he didn't play much. Averaged only 2.6 on 73.8, uh, 55.20, I mean, zero three-point shooting, 55.2 shooting splits, um, 1.7 boards, 0.1 assists, zero steals. He did not have a single steal on the whole year. 1.6 blocks. Um, 
again, total steal rate of zero. The year before that, he had a 1.3 steal rate. The crazy thing is his career block rate is 15.2. This year at at uh, Memphis, it was 17.2. And he had a 69.9% true shooting. Has never had below a 69% true shooting in his three years of, of high being, or of, of real college ball. Um <laughs> 73.8% effective field goal rating this year. Um, he did have a 22.9 turnover rate to only a 2.1 assist rate. That is insane. That is absolutely insane to think about. Um, dunked 19 times despite, again, only playing like 10 minutes a game. 76.3% um, on close twos, 66.7% on far twos, but only took three of them um, and did not attempt he attempted one three and missed it. I have such a hard time talking. There's not really anything in his game to break down other than that he is stupid bouncy. Like everything about his game is this dude is crazy bouncy. He's not an uber quick leaper, but he can like in game touch the top of the backboard for lobs and shit. Like legitimately crazy bounce. Mostly in space. He's not a great tight space leaper. Um, he struggles with contact because he's so skinny. I just don't think there's anything actually there. Listen, I love the idea of a guy who can do all this crazy shit and is super athletic. He's played at two different schools and barely played and has never averaged over five points per game. And like some of it is he should have gone to a team that wants to run spread, pick, and roll a billion percent. Memphis was a horrible fit for him. I don't know what he was thinking there. Uh, it feels like he got some really bad advice um, because that was just never going to work out. Uh, but like he doesn't, he can't post up, he can't dribble, he can't pass. His rotations are generally really late on defense. He has pretty bad touch. Um, it's just he's super athletic and he can finish lobs like crazy and block some, like have some crazy looking blocks. And it's about if you buy that enough to be worth anything. Stone, what's your kind of overall feeling on KO? Uh, yeah, I mean. If you put him in the role that we envision Bediaco being right in the NBA, I feel like there's some sort of pathway for him to maybe succeed um, just because the tools are so ridiculous. Um, he's so long and bouncy. Uh, I think he has a really quick second jump. Um, I think he, an underrated aspect of shot blocking in general, but um, with KO is that he is very adaptable in the air as a shot blocker. Um, he's not just going straight up and down. Like I think he can um, track the ball in the air very well and, and adjust to that. Um, his awareness can definitely be delayed defensively. Uh, I think by putting him just strictly into like drop and, and not having him anywhere near out on the perimeter like he was occasionally for Memphis, uh, that mitigates some of that concern. Um, he has insane ground coverage, um, in the, you know, in the, um, instances where he had to close out on somebody. Um, I think he rolls super quick off of pick and rolls. Uh, there's ways that those tools can be applicable for an NBA team. Um, it's not like he's going to do much outside of be a, a, drop rim protector and be a lob threat um but if he can do those two things uh, that's to me like there's a pathway to doing that so for me 
Um, overall, like I have him in my, uh, I would consider taking him at the very late second or prioritize him with a two way. Like, I think that there's a real pathway for him to becoming a backup big. Um, and I have him at 64 on my board currently. Yeah. I have a soft spot in my heart for cow. Um, (laughs) it's, it's, it's not a logical soft spot, but like you watch the shit he does and you're like, Oh, you are the only person on planet earth who could do that because you're insane. Um, and it's hard to at least not be like, Hey, uh, we'll, you know, we'll bring you into summer league. We'll get you with a, a, you know, another pick and roll ball handler and see if you're anything. And, uh, if not, no big deal. I I don't think I'd draft him or anything, but, uh, I mean, I, I can at least envision a world where he's like an NBA player, <laughs> right? Like there, there are worlds where that happens and he's like, okay, you can play some, uh, just because the tools are so crazy. I mean, Bruno Caboclo was almost an NBA player and, uh, he was just really long. He wasn't even an athlete like this, uh, and he could kind of shoot. So I don't know. I, I love cow. I'll probably end up with him at like I don't know. My head says like 60 and my heart says like 50, but uh, it'll be in the same tier none, nonetheless. Um, I, I I have him in the same tier as like all these other guys. Like I'd probably give him a summer league spot like just to see because yeah, like there's so much weirdness there. But at a certain point, he's 23 years old and has never done anything like on a basketball court. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I definitely prefer, like, a James Najee to him, right? Like, Najee is a similar type of athlete and has similar issues, but is, like, has actually done things and beneficent and and somewhat good at a good level. Like, KO just doesn't have that. And, like, KO's not – the NBA is full of elite athletes. He is not, like, such an uber elite athlete that he could be, like, some creator better or anything. Like, that's not who he is. Like, so it's just, like – Especially at the five spot, like I just want to see something more there is all. But again, he's not horrible. He's he's fine. All right, we're gonna move on to our last guy, and this one should be fairly quick because Coop ha- has not seen much of him. Uh, but he's interesting, and I, and we wanted to talk about him a little bit. Um, and that's Trey Jemison from UAB. Uh, he is a November twenty eighth, nineteen ninety nine birthday. He'll turn twenty four before the start of his rookie year. He started his career at Clemson where he barely played, and then he transferred to UAB where he's been about a 25-minute-per-game player in his final three years of college basketball. This season, he averaged 9.1 points per game on 58.60, 64.4 shooting splits, grabbed 8.4 boards, 0.5 assists, 0.6 blocks, 1.7 uh, – steals, sorry, 1.7 blocks. Um, had a 7.4 block rate. That's pretty good. It's about what you want. 1.3 steal rate. 3.7 assist rate to 12.2 turnover rate, 19% total rebound rate, 12.5% offensive rebound rate, 60.3 true shooting. He dunked 44 times, shot 73.8 on close twos, and there's nothing else really that stands out about his advanced statistical profile. Stone, you're the you're the Jamison guy. I'm gonna let you just kind of give the overall positive take. Just what's your what's your positive vibes regarding Jamison? Yeah, um <laughs> I just think he's really good at a lot of the little things that you want in a backup center. Uh, again, like Betty Ako, he's not someone I project being anything more than that. But um, I think that like he is probably the best screen setter in this class, in my opinion. Um, 
not not only just in terms of how hard and in the contact he can make screens because that's one aspect of it but something that i don't think gets talked about much is the way that you set screens like he dictates whether a guy is going to go over or under him a lot of the times i think that's a really underrated part of basketball and something he's really good at um i would say that like as a rebounder um he's a really strong rebounder the numbers are probably inflated a bit because of the competition he played and who he played with but i think he is really strong at boxing guys out uh and positioning himself really well uh i think he can defend pick and rolls pretty well defend and drop um he uh stays with shots for offensive boards and cleanup opportunities like he's uh, tracking where the ball is in the air and making sure that he's putting himself in position for when that ball comes off the rim. Um, I think that he uh, almost at times like acts as like a, I don't know anything about football, but I think this is a position like a blocker. Uh, and I think Jamison acts as that where he's, uh, he's just like making sure guys get out the way so that his the small guards that he was playing with had an open lane to the rim um i thought he was really good at um making sure that he's able to create opportunities for his teammates to get better shots through screens through blocking things like that um he doesn't have good touch he's basically an around the rim cleanup finished glass guy like much of the guys that we've talked about today um he has I think a lot of like he probably could average six to eight more points a game than he did if his guards actually passed him on dives to the rim. Like there's a lot of times where he sets a really good pick. Uh, he's wide open, cutting down the lane, and his guards aren't even looking towards his way. They're looking just to pass it for you know an isolation three. Um, I think if the guard play was better, he could average quite a few more points. Um, but yeah, I mean overall, he's just to me a really another solid bet at being a backup um takes forever to get off the ground uh can't really get up in tight spaces at all very reliant on like strength and using angles in that way they hard hedged him a lot uh and he's fine at executing that i actually really like his hustle to get back into plays in comparison to someone like mo gay who we talked about recently um but he's like not quick enough to switch and his drop technique isn't great uh, and I just don't love him as like a primary rim protector, despite those block numbers. Um, and also, like I think he's a really good rebounder. He's really strong, kind of a dirty work big man, like you said. But he's such a like so behind his decision maker while also not being an elite like athlete kind of rim running role man. That I'm just sort of like, well, what's the what's the point? Like, like I like I don't know how that translates. Like. I don't know what the value of a dirty work big man is that like, you know, can't like be a rim runner and also can't make reads with the ball. I just don't really get that. And you're right. Like he was, every time we talk about someone from lower competition levels, like I don't really tend to value it that much. Cause lots of times for anyone who isn't like some superstar, like creator bet or whatever, like the give and take is fairly equal. Like, yes, like he has an easier time guarding some of like, the CUSA guards on the perimeter, but also his guards are worse enough that he doesn't like get to benefit from like good passers and stuff. There's just nothing there that really interests me with his, with his game, like a ton. 
I do like him than basically everyone else, like better than basically everyone else we talked about. He's still in that tier with everyone but Betty Ako, but he's at the top of it for me, right behind Tosana Guamuan. Um, he's fine. Like I'd probably get, I'd definitely give him a summer league spot. Like if I need a big in summer league, he's one of the first guys I call, but wouldn't give him a two way probably, you know, he'd probably be a good guy in the G league, right? Like, especially if you talk to him and, He's the type of guy who he plays in a way where you're like, he seems like a good dude. Like it's hard to explain, but like, he seems like a leader. He seems like a good communicator on the court. That's cool to have around in the G league. And, and, you know, it's a similar thing with like Oscar in a lot of ways, but for me, I'm just, I'm just pretty unmoved by his game in a lot of ways. And, and uh, you know, other than being like solid, like the one thing I'll really give him is I think he's good at seeing a breakdown. Like whenever one of his guards makes a mistake on defense, like, He's good at seeing that and trying to make a play there, but he's not always elite at making that play. Uh, he takes forever to get off the ground. Um, and there's just not a ton I'm like in love with with this game. So that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, Coop, I know you didn't get to see him. But before we kind of go, I, I will – I don't want to rank these guys because I just don't really care. I'm tired. Um, but, Coop, I do want to ask you, just like in general, do you think any of these guys like are legitimately worth – like a full contract out of the draft or do you think at best they're all two-way guys well i mean betty Yako, maybe right like if any of these guys is going to be worth anything it's going to be betty Yako. and how worthy is a just is a pure drop big who's not like an outlier athlete it's just like solid right like a no mistakes solid big big <laughs> you know um and I honestly, I think that's a tough question. I, I think I would probably give uh, Bediaco uh, a, a two way, especially with the extra two way slots coming. I don't think I would I would roster him like full time unless you like really have a need for a drop big who can just be solid. Like if you're Milwaukee, yeah, I'd roster anybody because my roster fucking sucks ass. But like for most teams, I, I don't think that there's like really a spot for most of these guys. If you desperately need one of them, then yeah. But most teams don't have a desperate need for backup big, and there are better backup big bets, you know, in this draft. I disagree quite a bit. I think a lot of teams need backup bigs. It's a replaceable position. I haven't moved away from my stance on that. But it's also only replaceable if you have replacements. Like I think um, when you look across the league, the bulls have been desperate for a backup big for a long time. The Lakers really like had trouble when AD sat Andre um, Drummond slander. Absolutely. Twice? The Mavericks, the Mavericks <laughs> need backup center. The 76ers have been looking for one for years. The Sacramento Kings have been looking for one for a long time. I mean, the list goes on and on to me. Like there's a lot of teams that could use, just a guy who could play 10 minutes at center uh, as your backup roster spot. So to me, like that is a very, it's very much a position of need across the league. Like it's, it's just, there's not a lot of guys right now that can do that. Um, so I would give Betty Ako and Jamison full-time contracts. The rest of them are, are more two-way or summer league guys to me. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's completely fair. And um, for me, kind of where I'm at with that is uh, I'd give Betty Ako a two way, and then no one else a contract. But Colin Castleton rules, and I'd give him a, a full contract uh, out of the draft. So, um, no, this has been great, guys, and uh, I'm exhausted. But stay tuned for 
um, some more pods coming your way very soon. Um, this is probably the third uh, deep dive pod released in the matter of three days. The mock draft will probably drop tomorrow as you listen to this. So be excited. Be excited. We got, as we record this, we have seven days till the draft. Exactly one week from today is the draft. So uh, exciting, exciting, exciting. Um, for Coop at Ali underscore Coop underscore Coop for Stone at Report underscore Report. I'm at Bryce Hendrick 14. You can give us a like rating, review, all that fun stuff. Uh, this has been the Upside Swings to be a draft podcast. We hope we're ceiling. Thank you. We'd once again like to thank the people at GlobalShopSolutions.com. Simplify your manufacturing and schedule a demo today at GlobalShopSolutions.com. Thanks again for sponsoring the podcast. Thanks again for listening. We hope we hit our ceiling. Thank you.